Yeah, the story's kind of cool and the island's kind of scary. What exactly are the rules? Man, Jack is pretty hairy. Here we go into the damn haunted jungle. Unlike this rap, try not to fumble. Not seeing they were always ghosts. Just saying we're losing us. Welcome to the podcast, brother. Welcome to the podcast, brother. My name is Derek Hobson. I'm the younger brother. I am Pierce Nahigi, and I am the older brother. And this is Losing, Losing Lost. Lost. <laughs> uh, this is the podcast where we discussed the ABC drama Lost, which aired from 2004 to 2010, a show we've both loved and hated and still retain quite a bit of fondness for. This episode, we are going to be discussing the pilot, episodes one and two. It is a two-part pilot was uh, at the time the most expensive pilot in TV history at and I want to make sure I'm getting this right 14 million dollars quite a lot of money still one of the most expensive pilots that was ever made uh, it has since been surpassed I think the current record holder is the show vinyl which made a 30 million dollar pilot which um what is vinyl exactly exactly <laughs> I believe it was an HBO show that did not get picked up for a second season. Um, so before we got into the the episode proper, I wanted to share some interesting info that I gleaned from this really great article from Empire Magazine. They basically got a lot of people who worked on the show together. They got the actors together, and they did basically just this big um, interview where they talked about their experiences making it. So it starts off with Lloyd Braun, the former chairman of ABC Entertainment. He says he wants to make Castaway the series. And <laughs> what they say is, you know, people working with him were like, so you just want a show about somebody talking to a volleyball, like for every episode? And he's just like, no, 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 I want to make it like on an island. So they contract Jeff Lieber, who wrote the original draft. And his idea was at the center, there were two brothers, like Cain and Abel. Uh, and I'm, I'm quoting him now. It says, uh, after the plane crash, the rich one takes hold inland in a fortress. The less affluent one takes hold on the beach. The uh, the rule structure, I was told, was this has to be hyper real. I was hooked up with National Geographic to figure out whether it was an islet or an archipelago. At one point, I pitched a shark attack, but I was told, no, 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 that's not realistic. And uh, Jeff Lieber is still credited as a story by. He gets a story by on every single um, episode. He had no involvement uh, with the show after that initial pilot script, but because J.J. Abrams and Dim Lindelof did use sort of the sort of skeleton of his idea, he still gets he still gets credit for that. One of the important things was Lieber changed the title to Nowhere. It started off as Lost, which was Lloyd Braun's idea. Lloyd Braun really liked the idea of a show named Lost, so Lieber changed the title to Nowhere, sent Braun the script, and Braun hated it. He absolutely he was like, this is not what I want. I don't like this at all. So he wanted someone else to do a rewrite. He contacts J.J. Abrams, who at this point was getting a lot of heat from his show Alias. But J.J. was really busy. So he gets in touch with Damon Lindelof as a possible writing partner. And Lindelof says, uh, this is him, I'm quoting him now. What J.J. brought was the mystery. He pitched the hatch and the others, among many other things, in our first meeting. He felt that the island they crash onto should be really insane. And then another quote from Lieber. I always joke that I was doing Lord of the Flies and they were doing Lord of the Rings. One was magical and science fiction-y, the other was about the gritty ugliness of people. I guess if you pitch the gritty ugliness of people, the studio might not go for it. So 
JJ and Lindelof, they write an outline, Braun likes it, and they get the green light. And then according to J.J. Abrams, they had 11 weeks to write the script, cast it, shoot it, cut it, and turn it in. Which is, that's, it's, that's crazy. He says it was insanity. Lindelof said that in terms of the differences between Lieber's script and their script, uh, there were some similarities in terms of archetypes. He had a fugitive on his flight, an Australian prisoner in chains who became Kate. There was a nurse who became Jack. But really, they were starting from scratch. Another thing that changed, like, so in their original pilot script, Hurley was a 50-year-old redneck, and Sawyer ends up uh, dropping him off a cliff because he's too heavy to hold. Um, But once Jorge Garcia was involved, they liked him too much, and they changed the character up. John Hamm came in to read for Jack, pre-Mad Men. Matthew Fox ended up being cast 10 days before shooting started. Evangeline Lilly was a... Uh, because they, they couldn't, they couldn't find him. So originally the idea was before Jack was a doctor, he was the pilot and they were going to cast Michael Keaton. And this was when they were, they were going to kill him off at the end of the pilot. And then they realized that audiences didn't probably wouldn't respond to that, even though it would be like, anybody can die sort of like on game of Thrones. They were like, no, you know, we should have a central character that you're following that you can really like get involved with. So they decided, no, we're not going to go with that way. They changed him into a doctor. Angeline Lilly was about to quit acting when she uh, when she got cast. She had just gotten her real estate license in the mail. She was like, I'm done with this. So Lindelof said, my journal entries were filled with panic. Everyone is saying, how are you going to sustain this intensity? What's the 15th episode going to be? And I was thinking, I don't even know what the fourth episode is going to be. I didn't pitch this to you guys. I wouldn't have been at all surprised if this thing had been a catastrophic failure. ABC told J.J. Abrams to shoot an ending in case the pilot didn't get picked up and then they were going to just spin it into like a a movie, basically. I'm assuming that's because of the exorbitant cost that they wanted to recoup something, but it doesn't say in the article. So so did they do that or or is that something that J.J. is like, I'll say I will? You know, that's a good question. I didn't say in the article, at least I didn't see it. I'm sure I'm sure he's talked about it elsewhere. I have I have just two more interesting things. Uh, about this one is jj abrams since lloyd braun had really like wanted the show like he had you know it was his idea for the title it was his idea for the island he wanted um braun to have like a personal something in the show and so he is the voice that says previously on lost and wow. nobody nobody knew that except for uh him and jj and lindelof they were he basically like jj called him up and said like you know, this is your baby, and, you know, I want, you know, since it got picked up for for the series, um, I want you to be that voice that we hear every episode. And then the last interesting thing that actually explains something in the episode is, you know that ticka, ticka, ticka noise that the smoke monster makes? Yes. That was recorded in a New York taxi cab. You may recall when Rose says the noise sounds familiar and they ask her, where are you from? She says, the Bronx. The reason that the smoke monster sounds familiar is because it sounds like a New York taxi cab. Interesting. Yeah. So that's um, that's the Empire article. Um, it's a great article. Josh Holloway, uh, who plays Sawyer, talks about the cast getting drunk like a lot uh, together, and just that the the pilot was like this crazy, crazy ride. So yeah, I just thought that was that was an interesting sort of background to you know talk about Lost and sort of you know, the, all the steps that it took to, to get to where it was. I, I had no idea that it was that quick of a turnaround. I had always assumed that this was something that had been in the making of process for like months and months at a time. 
And uh, it really was like this thing that just came together really quickly, which is fascinating to me because it's such an ambitious show and it's such an ambitious investment by ABC that, you know, as far as I'm aware, hadn't really taken a risk on, on a show like this before. Well, and that's why um, I thought this is a very dubious memory of mine. I vaguely recall that the guy who greenlit this and Grey's Anatomy and Desperate Housewives knew he was going to get fired or something. So <laughs> he threw caution to the wind and just threw a greenlit a bunch of stuff that they'd have to spend money on <laughs> and was fired before any of this came out. I don't know if that's true, but it was something that I remember reading on because I remember all of those wound up obviously being pretty big hits. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought it was a vindictive thing, not a, <laughs> a, a uh, we believe in this product. I mean, it could, there could have been another producer. I can look that up later on and see, but it, from, from at least from, from this article, uh, Lloyd Braun, the chairman of ABC at the time, no longer is really like, really seemed to speak of this with a fondness. But again, that could be, you know, looking in the rearview mirror being like, oh yeah, no, I always loved the show. I, I really wanted it to succeed. So. Uh, well, I, I do think that's super interesting that the original pitch was more like religious Cain and Abel thing. Yeah. And more it, like Lord of the Flies, more like there's no smoke monster. There's no kooky people out on the island. It's just people like surviving on an island, which, you know, <laughs> I could see that happening. But of course, you know, what draws you in for the show is all of all of the mysteries that you just leave you scratching your head. Let me let me start let me start off this with this. The show starts off with no opening theme, with no song at all. Just the word lost that you slowly that slowly drifts towards the camera. I'm gonna ask you this question. I want you to answer me honestly. Does it bother you that we don't go through the O? Honestly, you know what the real issue I have with that is? It was early enough in the aughts that the pixels on the O, the thing <laughs> that I am like, nah, smooth it out, because it gets pixelated at the end there. That part bothers me uh, quite a bit. And I think that the first time I saw it, I think I was bummed that we didn't go through the O. But on a rewatch, I was just sitting there with a big old dumb grin on my face, because I'm like, oh, it's like sitting Here we go again. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> I was very excited. I, I, had a, I had a big fat smile on my face. The oh, the pixels, I, saw, I was waiting for them. I was, I was prepared for them. Uh, I didn't think about going through the O. Is, is this something that bothers you? Every time. Every time I see an episode, I'm like, maybe this time, maybe this time we'll go through the O. And no, we just kind of go to the side of it, between the O and the S. And uh, it, it, it does. It bothers me. It really bothers me. I don't, it's, I don't know what I it guess is. It's emblematic of the whole show. It's like, are we going to get you there? Whoop. Yeah. Uh, I'm always but, like uh, when you're like bowling and you and you want to like make a strike and you're just like squiggling around. That's what I do in my seat every time. <laughs> I I got to you are bringing up uh, to me. I feel like this is a good place to any to just ask on a scale of oh, I don't know what scale, but how <laughs> did you did you like this pilot? I did. It's it's interesting in that I think because I've seen it so many times before. I was more like looking at all these characters. Le I was less watching it as like a show and more just sort of like, 
oh, there's Maggie Grace. Oh, there's Ian Summerhalder. I haven't seen them in a long, long time. I was more sort of like looking at everything in the background and trying to see like, you know, how how is this like how who, how did this all come together? Like, what do they think is going on as actors? I also noticed something I, I hadn't noticed before, which is like a dude who's I think it's a dude who's uh, who's still buckled into his seatbelt in the fuselage and he's upside down behind Jack. I know Jack... exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, and he's like he's like swinging. Yes, uh, yeah. When he sees the wreckage. Yeah, so I was I don't doing know. a lot of just looking at the. No, it's interesting because it's like we we know more about these characters than clearly the actors do. Yes. This was like some of the line readings is just like I'm like, you think you're someone else at this moment. Yep. <laughs> yep. yep. Um. And and I again major props to them. Just it feels like everyone. I mean, maybe that's even part of it. Is like everyone going in blind uh, over this twelve weeks. Was it? You said twelve. It was twelve weeks or eleven weeks. It was eleven weeks. Yeah, like I major props to people who just roll with it. But it it is it is very fun. Like to me, even as 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 going as the baseline level of Kate, I get the impression that even like even though I'm sure it was all filmed at the same time. Pilot part one seems like she's playing a different character than pilot part two. You know, it's funny that you say that. I What I noted down was that part one is very much Jack. It's Jack. Like, we follow Jack from, like, start to finish. He's our, he's our, our main character. And then part two is very much the ensemble. It's like Jack stays on the beach to, like, watch over his patient and then that's when we really get to see, you know, the rest of the people. And yeah, it's it's funny how Matthew Fox is playing him like an intense but good guy. And, you know, he hasn't gotten to the the twitchy, <laughs> you know, push to the edge stage that he, well, he <laughs> when we find out that Jack is just a, a psycho kind of. <laughs> OK, wait. Before we go, because maybe that's even a better way to go through this, is rather than beat by beat through the story, going character by character. Cause that's a good idea. I would love to talk about Jack. Yeah, <laughs> go for it. I love Jack in this episode. This this episode makes it so clear, especially even on, on a rewatch. In fact, I'm realizing now this is how I should categorize my notes. Is I should categorize them by character. That'll make this easier <laughs> next time. Um, <laughs> but I mentioned this because when you were talking about how Jack, you know, like he's intense but not twitchy I, like one of my favorite exchanges is when you know he sees that boone is doing cpr and, and he's doing cpr wrong <laughs> and jack of course is like you need to seriously consider giving your license back and it's clear that he says this line expecting boone to just get quiet and shut down <laughs> but then boone is like oh hey m maybe we can stick stick her neck thing and it's like you see that jack as a character just like pivots and is like Okay, he didn't. He didn't go. He didn't shut up. And so it's like, <laughs> oh, okay, you you go get a pen. And yeah. It's like the next way to like get rid of him. I wrote uh, down. I for I didn't remember Jack being so annoyed with both Boone and Charlie. Like he's so dismissive of both of them. All he's trying to do is just get his missions accomplished, and he just sees the two of them as just obstacles in his way. Well, that and. You know, let's not neglect uh, Kate, because I actually think that his first interaction with Kate is in the same caliber of dismissiveness, because <laughs> I wrote this down because I think it's hilarious. And again, like, I think the acting in this scene is great. I love Jack and Kate's meet cute. I think it's uh, glorious. 
But I love that, you know, everyone's in shock, obviously. And so, like, Kate very much, like, Evangeline Lilly, you know, she's really playing it as though she's like, I was just, in an, oh, God, what the, what's happening? You know, like, <laughs> she, she seems distraught. Yeah. But what I love is that he, we seen that, like, he's bleeding. He's got a wound. He can't reach it. He clearly, like, ran away from the beach to get some privacy because he hates people. Um, or at least <laughs> doesn't want to be on call, I guess, is how I'll rephrase it. He sees this woman in the, and he's like, excuse me, ha, um, have you ever... Um, sewn and he is looking for a yes or no answer yep. and she of course takes this because she's probably in shock and taking this very seriously is like um um and like gives him this long belabored and then he's just like okay great can you come stitch me up and then she says like, like no i used the sewing machine he's like it just just come over here and help me i love that jack that that dismissiveness but yeah with charlie with boone with kate initially i thought that was hilarious um i yeah. like that as a character He's more just he makes decisions like he's he's, that's what he's doing, like through this whole pilot. And as the show goes on, he's he becomes less. I don't know if it's he's becomes less sure of himself or more open to like, you know, letting other people give him notes. I don't know. But it's it is very much like he acts like a surgeon who is used to being obeyed. And it's it, it is interesting to see that in this character. And to see <laughs> how dismissive he is with other people. I'm realizing this is a big part of why I like Jack as a character is because he reminds me a lot of Squall from Final Fantasy VIII, where <laughs> um, people have their problems with him. My favorite thing about Squall is that he's forced into a leadership role, doesn't want to be a leader. In fact, all he really wants is to date this girl who may not really like him. Um, <laughs> and so, like, everything that he does is, like, a means to that end of, like, how can I save her? How can I make her life better? And I know, like, this is getting ahead of ourselves. But I I like the, this whole, like, like, I like when Jackie's, like, like, well, you know, um, to rewind for a minute, just in terms of, like, Jack's characterization. I remember the very first time watching this thinking, like, oh, he must be a doctor because he's doing all the doctor things. And then, yeah. of course, eventually just says he's a doctor. And I'm like, oh, what an interesting way to show that he's a doctor. I remember then, like, being a little bit more jaded, re-watching that pilot episode and being like, this is such a cheap way of showing, like, oh, my main character is a hero and a doctor. He can save everybody. Um, now, 10 years later, I'm back in it where Jack saving everyone in the opening, I think, is brilliant. And partly because realizing... Now in my life, having met people who are doctors, how many people, and certainly with the pandemic, uh, how many of these doctors are like, it is so, it's such an easier job if you catch something early than if someone has a problem that doesn't go diagnosed. And I'm realizing that like, yeah, even though, because I think it, on that second rewatch when I was getting jaded about it, where I'm like, oh, for someone who doesn't like being around people, he's certainly saving a ton of people. I guess that's for the audience. Like, again, <laughs> very uh, uh, jaded me. But this one is like, no, no, no. This makes a ton of sense. This is a guy who wants to fix all the things that he can fix right now because he knows that if he doesn't, he's going to be on a beach with a bunch of people screaming, writhing in pain. <laughs> and his job is just going to be 10 times worse. See, I never even thought about that. I... <laughs> I think that's true. But I also think that Jack is, he's doing the one thing he knows how to do, which is save people, or as we will get into many, many episodes, hence, uh, fix people. What what you see when he gets on the beach is you, you have that shot of like, 
you know, uh, Shannon screaming and like people bleeding and stumbling around and like everybody's reacting to this horrible thing that's happening. And Jack, the way he reacts to trauma is I'm going to get busy. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to save the people that I can. That's how I'm going to deal with this horrible situation is that I'm going to get to work and that's what I'm going to do. And I think, you know, Damon Lindelof obviously is a comic book guy. I assume JJ Abrams is as well. And I can't help but see the parallels between Jack Shepard and Superman. The famous saying about Superman is the only weakness that Superman has is that he can't save everyone. That is the tragedy of that character is that he has these godlike powers. And what makes him interesting is not that he has these godlike powers because that makes him he's basically invincible. I mean, you can come up with kryptonite and you can come up with like magic and the red sun and all these things. But like he can do pretty much anything you want. But the thing is, he cares and he's devastated by every single life that he can't save. And that is that is Jack. And it's with Jack. It's not an altruistic thing. He doesn't do this from a place of compassion, at least not that I remember really from the show. It's more that like this is what he can do. This is what Jack is good at. He is good at fixing people. He is good at helping people. And so that's what he's going to do. And for me, I think it's I think maybe it's that he doesn't want people to bother him. But I also think that him going off alone to go like get sewn up is basically him being like all of these people saw me like saving them. I don't want them to think that I'm weak. I don't want them to think that I'm hurt. I need to be I need to do this alone because I'm I'm all these people have right now. That's a good point. I like my interpretation better uh, <laughs> because I, I like. But I also know it's a little bit clouded by um, knowing that the, the twitchy jack of, of, of later. Yeah. But yeah, because I do, you know what, and actually, I think your point makes more sense. Because I'm realizing when Jack comes back and he lies about, they're like, were there any survivors? Which, I guess at the same time, I'm kind of like, it's not really a lie to say there were no survivors. Because technically, there I no think it can sur- be. I think it can be both things, but also I do want to not to jump too far ahead, but here's a question that I have, and I don't know if it's a plot hole because I was going to ask you this because I know that you cat you catch these things. I know what you're going to ask. I know exactly what you're going to ask because I wrote this down. Okay, so he comes back says there's no survivors, lying to them, you know, so that they don't panic, and then in pilot in later in the episode, Boone says, "Is that is the polar bear the thing that killed the pilot? Killed the pilot? Yes." who told you that it killed the pilot? I think that is absolutely a plot hole. I, okay. I thought for sure I missed something. I, I But yes, I wrote this down because I'm like, I started writing down, you know, when do the lies start? Uh, uh, <laughs> Immediately. And I, yeah. Well, like, I actually like, I felt like part two, they really, I know Charlie's kind of a liar just to begin with, but I felt like part two is when like the lies start to come out because obviously, you know, Kate, you know, blah, blah, blah. blah. But yeah, it was like, boom. Who doesn't know this? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. No, I, I think that's 100% a plot hole or an so, error. Yeah, it's so weird. Like, I imagine it's it's maybe it's because of the, the shooting schedule was so fast that they, like, shot something where, like, maybe there's a scene where, like, Charlie, like, tells him the thing. Or maybe they shot an alternate scene where, where Jack said, yeah, something something took him or whatever. But, yeah, it's I, – I don't think I'd ever noticed that until this watch because I was taking notes. And, yeah, it's so – and it's such a it's such a quick thing that it, I'm sure most people watching the pilot like didn't even notice. But I totally I was just sort of like, how how'd you know that? Yeah, no, I, I likewise I like it. I, yeah, I picked it up and I was like, this is so weird. Yeah, um, super weird. 
this one this one's an observation but i i just i i have to share that because i i don't know who made the grass plane but i'm like surely it wasn't jack I no almost down. I was like, he took the time to to cut in this grass plane, but he immediately <laughs> just chucks into the sand. I was like, no, no, I don't believe it. <laughs> okay, we're on the same page. Yeah, I was just like, I'm like, because for some reason in my head, I thought Hurley made it. I'm like, oh, I could see that, but like, no, they're showing Jack and yeah, that that too. I did write down that when he mentions that, oh, I took some flying lessons, but decided I was I'm like, I want to see that flashback. Even yeah. I know. I'm surprised we ever, we ever did that. But yeah, yeah. it's so funny because like it's such a it's a great image of like this plane, but it it immediately falls apart when you think about it because it's like he okay. So the idea here is that like he needed something to like visually show them like hitting turbulence, but it's like he could have had a stick, you know. But it it's not as it's not as good of an image. But it's also like I can't imagine Jack taking the time because it was like a really well made played like i can't imagine him taking the time to actually cut this thing into the shape and just be like oh yeah look at this play that i made like mm, nope no i don't believe that <laughs> oh this is another one that's just like just more of like a episode specific but when jack uh you're first in the first in the jungle first like two minutes of the of the show yeah and he pulls out the the bottle i get that this partly foreshadows hey i'm gonna use this later to like put it on my wound but there was also part of me and again i know he's in a plane crash but i was like since he had like i think three of those bottles on him there's a certain part of me it's like would have made more sense if like he pulls out the other pocket and it's like and the other one is shattered and it's like those bottles are usually plastic i think uh, although they do make a clinky clink sound when he takes them out but i but yes is it would it would make more sense if they were shattered but again they all end up on the island through supernatural means. Like they all yeah. should have died. Um, Good but as we'll find out later, they've been whisked, whisked here by by uh, uh, powers unseen. I um, that's a good point. Well, I actually I have one specifically on that powers that be. But let me see if there's any of these other ones. Oh, okay. One of these is um, uh, actually no. I'm gonna stick with the alcohol thing for a sec. I do really like this. I, this is not a question or anything. This is just a observation that I really enjoyed was when um, Jack passes Kate the alcohol and he's like, it's for your hands. And she starts pouring it and he's like, save me some. And then like, she gives him a look and he, and he like has to back off. Like he's not an alcoholic. He's like, he's like no, for, for the wound to, to clean it. Do you think they had it in mind that he was an alcoholic for it? Cause I, it oh. seems, yeah. Yeah. I, I gotta, I, I, yeah. That feels right. That feels real right. In fact, <laughs> I'm kind of shocked now that they don't. I mean, I know eventually he gets into pills and whatnot, but like, yeah, it it feels like yeah, have a doctor that's an alcoholic. Like, why wouldn't you do that? Uh, <laughs> why wouldn't you? You know what I also wrote for that scene. So first of all, I want to say I lo I do I also love that scene between him and Kate. I think it's a great like it's a great come down from that huge that incredibly exhilarating opening. But like his his monologue to her about cutting the dural sack and the nerve spilling out like angel hair pasta, and I wish that this moment was an undercut by what we find out many episodes later, many seasons later, that it it wasn't him who you know told himself to count to five. It was his father in the room who basically like talked him through it. And on the one hand, you know, from a character perspective, it's like okay, so. 
what we thought of this, this being like a really cool story that Jack was telling in the pilot actually turns into him sort of lying and sort of, you know, changing history. And I, I kind of hate that they did that. Yes. I, I, this was one of the things I had this written down as a question because I, I don't, this is like one of those, I feel like this must be like a season three thing or so, maybe, maybe not. Um, I think it's later. I, I think it's even later. Okay. Cause I, I don't remember this episode all that well. So I'm like, did this actually happen? But yeah, isn't it like, it's his surgery and his dad, does his dad even like wind up doing, finishing it for him or something like that? I don't remember if he does it for him. I do remember. In fact, no, I think this is a season six episode. Cause it shows it's doing the flashbacks that show how Jacob um, contacts each of them. And I know he's in the, uh, he's in the surgery. His father is, is there like, I think assisting or overseeing and Jack's like freaking out. And he basically like Christian, like talks him through it. And then later on, Jack is mad at him because he's like, he's like, you gave me like a timeout in front of like all of my nurses or whatever. And Christian's just like, I'm just, you know, trying to help you. By this point, we've gotten into twitchy Jack who like can't take any advice from anybody and can't accept things that he can't do himself. It feels like a retcon that it, it diminishes this story, like hearing it in the pilot, because it it's it's cool. It's a cool story and it makes you be like, okay, this is somebody I want to follow. And now it just makes me feel like, oh, he's a jerk because he's he didn't say, like, my dad was there and he told me to count to five and that I wouldn't be scared anymore. And I hate my father and he's a dick, but I did it. <laughs> and then I sewed her up and it was fine. So, You know, but I, I like um... – I, I did. I, I do remember because uh, yeah, I really, I really love that scene. I, I thought that that was awesome. Yeah, there was a small part of me that like I know he's also doing this as a way to like distract himself, uh, which again I actually like really enjoy. I, most everyone's acting in this pilot is great. <laughs> Kate but, says yeah, she like, would have run, which is uh, oh yep. yes, and he's like you're not running now, and then later he tells her to run. I really like like his uh, his expressions as she's sewing him, and he's like very clearly like this is not going well. <laughs> uh, so like part of me was like he's telling this story almost as a distraction for himself yeah. but there was a small part of me too it was like could you still watch this knowing that he's like thinking about his dad in this moment which actually kind of ties into another thing that i was thinking about and this gets into one of those retro things because I i'm sure the answer to this question is that the shot looked cool but when <laughs> when the disaster has plateaued or or you know all the urgent care is taken care of yeah and jack you know he leans up against the the opening of the fuselage and the camera's like i love that shot i love it i do too but what is what do you think he's doing there is he like looking for his dad's coffin is he uh oh i hadn't thought about that i thought that he was looking in and seeing all the dead bodies in there is the thing Uh, he's kind of taking it in like how many people have died and it's it's a very I remember that shot being a lot longer because it all it's almost immediately undercut by Boone coming back with the pen, which is a funny beat. But it's also like I in my mind, in my memory, that shot's a lot, lot longer. And he's just sort of just looking into the fuselage and just seeing like, you know, the horrible tragedy that's just happened. But they really only give us like a couple like breaths. And then and then Boone comes comes running back. I definitely think probably in like retroactively, maybe he is looking for his father's coffin, but I'm, I'm sure that like, you know, at the time, you know, when they were just shooting the pilot, he had no idea that, you know, it was anything to do with his father. <laughs> uh, completely unrelated. You know what I also like about the scene with him and Kate? I like the fact that Jack has body hair. It's, oh, it's yeah. 
as as a as a hairy man, as a very hairy man. Uh, I have watched, I think I've watched almost every single MCU movie, and it's not just Marvel movies. It's basically every action movie of the last 25 years where every time like the action hero takes his shirt off, he's completely bare, no, no hair whatsoever. He's just, you know, he's got sculpted abs and he's got all these muscles and he's, he's, he's clean shaven. He's like totally shaven. Like somebody like just waxed him like just the, the moment before. And Jack's got like a, a decent amount of chest hair and like stomach hair. And I'm just sort of like, yeah, that's what a man looks like. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think that that's a great. It is like it, it's refreshing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that's the thing too. Is like this is 2004. I'm guessing filmed in maybe 2003. It's just this whole. I felt like everything in here really held up. I'm trying to think if there was anything that that actually. Oh, actually, no. I've got one thing with Locke, but we'll we'll, we'll get to Locke. <laughs> the fact that Sawyer immediately gets after Saeed for like him, like, you know, being the reason the plane went down really made me remember. I was like, man, this came out what three years after nine 11. Yeah. That's, that's wild to think about now that, you know, that they would make a show about like a plane crash, like so soon afterwards, I, I can't really put myself back into the mindset to think like how I would have process that but like the fact that so i remember at the time though the fact that sawyer the you know the southern character is immediately pointing fingers at saeed is very appropriate to the time and probably still would be to, to now unfortunately i know we're, we're i don't think we're on sawyer yet but i also wanted to give a shout out to sawyer's horrendous haircut in the pilot <laughs> i don't know if you noticed it it is not the hair that he has uh in the in the next episode it's uh it's it's real bad. It's it's one step away from a mullet. I don't know who gave him that haircut, but it, they were not doing him any favors. I will say, I the only thing I really noticed was just his facial stubble was just so weak. Like it's almost like he was freshly waxed before a couple of his scenes. Like they waxed his face. I don't know. There was some weird weirdness his, with his uh, yeah, facial hair too. Yeah, his look isn't what it will be. Like I think in in the very next episode, I think the hair has a lot to do with it. I think that yeah, the fact that he doesn't have any stubble. It's funny, like, seeing that and then seeing, you know, it's like, I, I have not yet achieved my final form, my final hunky <laughs> Sawyer form. He might actually be a good one to segue to. I, I have one last thing I want to say about Jack. I was, and I, and I know why they did this. I know that the, the logical reason for this is, is you're introducing your main character and all of, well, your whole ensemble. But knowing what we know, there was a small part of me that's like, Jack as a Jacob and how we have that whole episode where Jacob does go around and he touches every one of the main mm -hmm. characters. And I was like, does Jack touch it? And so like, I immediately started like pacing. I'm like, does he touch it? And sure enough, like, yeah, like he touches Locke to like get the guy's mangled leg out. He touches Claire to tell her she's going to be okay when she's having contractions. Then of course, touches Hurley to help with Claire. He touches Boone, but also to get away from Rose. I uh, touches Rose. Uh, <laughs> the reverse is that Charlie, of course, touches Jack on the plane. Then Jack touches Sawyer when he pulls him off Saeed and then also touches Saeed to like back the huh. line. Yeah. The, the only ones that he doesn't touch is Michael. He just has a chat with him about the dog and he doesn't interact at all with Jin and son. I don't know. I just, I thought it was one of those that's things funny. where I'm like, that's kind of neat. Yeah. That's anyway. interesting. Claire is eight months pregnant. Do they talk about in, in her, ep they must talk about it in her episode that like, there's no way in hell that they, she would be allowed to on a plane. This ties back to what you're saying about Jack with body hair. 
But when Claire takes off her shirt, for some reason, I'm like, there should be a little bit of armpit hair. I don't know. I just like, I, like and I, I'm sure, I don't even know how to pronounce her name, but Emily DeRaven or Raven, I don't know. She, I'm sure that she's a perfectly, uh, I, I'm sure that she's very nice and whatnot. I just like, there's a part of me that's like, you're eight months pregnant. You're not like engaged. You're not dating. I don't know. There's just a small part of me. It's like, she should have some stubble. Uh, <laughs> Like, I, I don't know. That was the one um, I, anyway, but um, yeah, I'm sure they'll explain in a flashback what the hell is going on with an eight months pregnant fly. There, yeah, there must be. I, I'm, I'm trying to remember. I don't remember Claire's episodes very well. So I, I'm sure that they, there's some reason that they get her on, but yeah, like <laughs> there's, there's no way in hell that they would allow an eight month, not just get on a plane, but get on like a, a plane that's traveling from Australia to wherever the hell it's going. Both Maddie and I both sat up when they said she was eight months. I was like, what? What? Oh, 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 is she, is she watching it? She did around? watch it. She, uh, she thought it was ridiculous. Uh, she hates Shannon with an abiding passion. Oh, Shannon. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember her being this annoying. Uh, I do. But you know I what? Also, I miss it. I missed, I, I didn't, re- I thought, you know, it's what you asked in the beginning, like, how did I feel about the pilot? And it's one of the things that surprised me was like, I was like, oh, I miss Shannon. I miss someone who's just like, you know what? I don't like this. I don't like this situation. And I don't like any of you. And I don't like my not brother. And I don't, I don't like anything. And I was just like, yeah, that's just pretty refreshing. I appreciate that. You know, you got a good point. I did feel like I felt awkward when Boone was simultaneously petty, being petty and arguing with her in front of Kate and Saeed. Mm-hmm. But also like, yeah, I guess there's a, there's a certain like a, a shade of humanity that you wouldn't otherwise get. Because I do have that both Kate and Saeed are both just kind of staring like, you don't have to come. Yeah, it's like, please don't come. <laughs> Please don't come on this very important hike. <laughs> Bring your weird baggage with us. The only note I wrote about Shannon, though, was um, I, I I just wrote one thing, which was, I don't believe Shannon doesn't eat chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of what else did I, did I write anything else about Shannon? Um, Shannon goes on the hike out of petulance. Charlie is the funniest character. Yeah, that's all I wrote. <laughs> She's like, I'm going. He's like, she's like, are you going on the hike? He's like, uh, are you going on the hike? He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, I'm definitely going on the hike. <laughs> I I do like how how they 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 call it a hike when it's it's it is a mission. Like, yeah. I um, it, that was the first uh, glimpse I got of Twitchy Jack, which which is of course when Kate like just kind of underplays it. Like, I'm going on a hike, and he's like, what? No, you know, she's like, going well, out there. Yeah, <laughs> it's like. That's not what this is. Anyway, um, sorry, I don't mean to go back to Jack. Okay. Okay. Uh, so we were on Claire. I don't have anything else really about Claire. I have a Gin Claire thing, but we, we can move into Sawyer if you want to move into Sawyer. I don't I actually don't think I have that much about Sawyer other than in the that Empire article I read. He said that um, JJ, when he was shooting the, the polar bear, J.J. Uh, Abrams threw a pillow at him, and that's what he was shooting at. <laughs> Oh, uh, well, that actually bleeds into one of my my Sawyer questions, which is, would a pistol take out a polar bear? I don't think so. You know, we could ask our friend Casey, who knows and uh, weirdly a lot about bears. Uh, I would think no. 
I would think, uh, unless you hit it like right in the eyes, I would think a pistol would be uh, not enough, not enough firepower to take out a, a polar bear. But you know, this polar bear was out of its natural environment. We don't know how emaciated it was. Uh, I, I will say, I wrote in my notes, one of my favorite lines was, uh, guess what? I just shot a bear. <laughs> <laughs> there are some, some really great lines in this pilot. I, I think that's definitely something I appreciate with a lot of these these lines. It's like, because I always, like in my head when I think about loss, I always remember Hurley as the guy who says what everyone's thinking. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, I think it's the thing. Like, so many of these characters, like none of them, with the exception of Locke, is like trusting or feels like they're in sci-fi or fantasy. So listening to Sawyer be very blunt about, yeah, I stole this. Thought it'd be coming handy. I stole that. Thought it looked cool. Yeah, he but, stole the badge because he thought it was cool. When he tells, uh, when they're like, "Why are you going to the hike?" He says, "I'm a complex guy, sweetheart." You know, I think in any other show, he would almost immediately like, oh, this guy's a racist. Screw him. Mm-hmm. But then, like, they, they very quickly, like, endear you to him a bit. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if Sawyer is endearing at this. He's more he's more of a creep because, like, when uh, when Kate takes the gun from him and she gives it back and he, like, pulls her arm, he, like, almost kind of, like, smells her. And he's like, I've been with girls like you. I'm like, oh, that's oh, that's not smooth at all, Sawyer. That's, that's real grody. I... Oh, I'm sorry. I, this is interesting because I, I had a very different take on that scene because I freaking love. And again, I think some of this, unfortunately, uh, is just because I know how this plays out. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I wasn't thinking about that scene in a, in, a, in a vacuum. As like Kate very clearly knows how to take a gun off him mm-hmm. and is like clearly trying to con the con man. Being like, oh, I've never used a gun before. And he is literally, like, he's staring at her, smiling, like, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it up. Keep it up. I Let's think you're totally I, right. Like, I, I adore, like, it didn't feel like the, um, like, yeah, I'm going to, like, it didn't feel like creepy, I'm going to smell you. It felt very much like a, oh, I know what game you're playing. I've been playing this game, too. Uh, What's funny is a, I I don't remember the Kate reveal as the prisoner happening until later, but obviously it had to happen during the pilot because that's a that's a huge huge twist. It's just so funny because like I for some reason I in my head it 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 took longer for that reveal to come about, but immediately like immediately after she does the whole thing with the gun we see that she's a prisoner and we know that she's lying about that. So yeah, you're I think you're absolutely right. I think Sawyer like he he he's on to her immediately. <laughs> It does feel weirdly like pilot one and two do feel because, yeah, like pilot part two is almost like a Kate centric episode in a way. But it it also like it shows like who else is who these other people are. Yeah. Yeah, they really do. It's so funny, like knowing now, like how the format will dramatically change to the flashbacks. Just like they're going to give you this like uh, what do you call it? Like an appetizer sampler. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's really <laughs> what it is. Another great line uh, is Locke telling Walt, uh, you're having a bad month. I did enjoy that. I did not enjoy an old man asking a child if he can keep a secret, and then we smash cut away. Yeah! Yeah! That was super creepy! What, uh, <laughs> what, here's my question that I have, is what secret do you think he told him? Do we, do we find out what he tells him? Like, later on, does he tell him, like, I can walk again? Or does he just say, this island is special? 
I vaguely remember like Walt telling his dad later on that like Locke told Mr. Locke told me that the island is special or we're here for a reason or, or something. But I'm I'm trying to think about what what secret he would have told him. Oh, you know what? I think I remember exactly. I think he says I don't even think he specifically said. I think Walt says to Michael at one point, he says a miracle happened to him. Ah, okay. Yeah. That sounds right. That's that was the one thing that in terms of like and I'm sure 2004 there was plenty of child abductions, but certainly being uh, parents ourselves, yeah, not not down with. Uh, but you know what? That. that I think that that's that's definitely intentional because we don't get a lot of luck at all in the pilot, either in episode one or two. We just get Kate very solemnly taking the boots off the dead man, and then you look at Locke and he's smiling with that orange, and it's creepy, and you're like, okay, is this the bad guy? So yeah, it's definitely meant to be like. Yeah, we're definitely meant to be like, oh, this this is this is a creep. This this guy's being a creep. But that's a really good point. I didn't realize that the whole black and white, dark and light thing was introduced in the very first uh, episode, the very first pilot. Him introducing backgammon, saying it's the oldest game in the world, that it's older than Jesus Christ. And he's saying there's two players. One is dark. One is light. And like, boom, you've got it. You've got Jacob and the man in black right there. You know, a lot of the dichotomies that will get set up on the island later on, like who's who's good, who's bad. I don't know if if they were thinking that deeply about it when they wrote the pilot, but that whole black and white thing really does come back in a big way uh, at the end of the series. I, I do like that they set that up quickly. I know I forget what I was seeing or reading at one point, but I remember at one point them mentioning like that was something they liked about Lost is that it was like one of the first shows on TV that like asked existential questions without necessarily answers so like as like as possible it's like hey you know we mentioned that these are forces between light and dark maybe we should have a, a manifestation of that well we'll just call him the man in black uh, <laughs> yeah once again <laughs> as you've mentioned the the you know the literary allusions being very high-handed and then followed by very very blunt <laughs> metaphors it's like no yeah the 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 bad guy is is the man in black. That's that's what he is. It's like, oh, okay. Does he get a name? No. No, we're never going to give him a name. Was the uh, him eating the orange looking at Kate? Like, is that so you think it is just he should it's just to show that he's he could be weird. I think we as the audience are meant to think that this guy's super weird and all this stuff. And I think that it's more what he's playing is that like he he's been healed on this island and he thinks this is a, a wonderful magical experience and he's just really he's chilling but yeah i think we're meant to think that Locke is is this is a is a bad guy or possibly a villain especially because he's got that gnarly scar on his eye um i've got a lot to say about your favorite character michael <laughs> i you know was watching him and i'm and his his first line in the show is walt it's, yeah. the, it's the only thing he gets to say. I really think I think he's a good actor. I think he's he's really doing the best he can. I think it's it's very clear that like he um he doesn't know his son and he's trying his best and he just is totally out of his depth. I feel you there. I get the impression that he doesn't know his son well. Um, they clearly don't know what his backstory is because my God. Uh, hey, when we get back home, I'll get you another dog. And <laughs> what I do remember of Michael is that he fights tooth and nail to get custody of his kid. Mm -hmm. And in my head, I'm thinking, like, that character, that would be the equivalent of, like, 
oh, I'll just go have another son. Like, I, like, <laughs> I, it just, it is so like, oh, he doesn't know how to be a dad thing. It's like, you don't know how to be a person if that's your response to your kid losing his dog. I don't know what the thinking was there because, like, so many of the lines are so good and the characterization is so rich. And then you get a line like that where, like, clearly the intent here is to be like, oh, this guy's so out of touch. He doesn't understand that, you know, it's not about the possession. It's like this dog, like, matters to the kid. It's an emotional connection. And he's just like, oh, I'll get you another dog. It's just like a toy or something. But it's like nobody, I think most people would know that's not what you say. It feels lazy. It doesn't feel good. I really, really hate it. And again, I get that he probably doesn't know what his character's story is, but like, yeah, it just didn't feel, it wasn't even like, oh, he doesn't know how to be a dad. It was like, you don't know how to be a human. And then, of course, uh, add insult to injury. Actually, I think that line comes after this one. But like the fact that, and he very clearly delivers the line in a way where he's like, you can read Spanish. And it's like, Michael, it's a fucking comic. You can look <laughs> at the pictures, dude. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, 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 I just couldn't, oh man, he's just so, ah, uh, I, it, they do not endear me to Michael at all. No, no, it's, it's tough to watch. And I can't remember if it gets better or if it gets worse over time. I mean, eventually it gets worse. Eventually it gets much worse, but yeah, I think it's, I don't have anything intelligent to say about it. I just don't like it. I don't feel good about it. I think also like as 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 a father now watching the show, I have a feeling that I'm going to react a lot differently to his storyline than I did, you know, when I was 19 or whenever I was watching this. Like the when he, when uh, when Michael like when his when Walt's going in the jungle and he finds the handcuffs and Michael like freaks out. He's just like, I told you to stay on the beach. And Walt's like, oh, I thought this was fine. I remember as a 19-year-old just being like, well, Michael needs to chill the fuck out. And I was a father who was sort of like, he told you to stay on the beach, Walt. He told you to stay on the beach. Don't you understand? It's been this horrible tragedy. You need to stay within where he can see you. Well, especially knowing that there's some sort of gigantic monster in the woods. Yeah, especially, uh. especially when there's monsters. Oh, can we talk about the monster if we're done talking about Michael? Yes. I would like to write down... All of the sounds, uh, or I'd like to review all of the sounds that the smoke monster makes. I wrote down that it hoots, it stomps, there is a metallic grinding noise, there is a clanking snake skittering, which is the ticka 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 noise. That's mostly it. I think what was confusing to me, what was confusing to me then, when I first watched the episode, and what's confusing to me now, is that it's not immediately clear what noises the smoke monster is making. And what is the soundtrack? Because it's the same, like, especially that noise that sort of, like, announces the monster, where it's, like, that... that the, ooh, yeah, like, it's yeah. very much, like, part of the soundtrack, which mostly I like. Um, Michael Gacchino is the composer, and um, I love most of his work. A little, it's, it's a little overbearing in places, especially in that first uh, part of the pilot, but... The work that he does on Lost is 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 pretty great with all of the sort of like the shh and the and the, and the horns and the, the the drums. We have no in, no hint whatsoever that this is a smoke monster uh, in the pilot. Uh, we just know that there's something big in the forest and that it likes to eat pilots. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember, like later on, when the smoke monster will start picking people off, that. 
you know, there was a theory, I think, I'm, I don't know if we talked about it, but I know me and my friends talked about it, that, like, the smoke monster, like, comes for you when you've, like, finished your business, when you've, like, come to at peace with yourself. And we were always trying to work out, like, well, why does it kill the pilot? Like, what did the pilot do? And um, I think this is a case where I have to just let it go uh, because I think it's just a pilot episode of a TV show. <laughs> something dramatic like have the pilot get eaten by a big monster in the woods and um no i'm glad you, this is where uh it brought us to because this is one of my things i wrote down that specifically follows up from the conversation we had for the intro into this we're talking about how this may be purgatory and is it mm -hmm. okay to think of it as purgatory and like would it be interesting to watch a show about purgatory knowing that everyone's already dead uh have you seen the movie jacob's ladder many many times it's one of my favorite films Okay, well then great. Uh, I'm gonna read this quote in full for the uh, for listeners out there. This to me, I'm like, oh man, this is how you do it. Where he, he does the you know this is the famous quote. The uh, the only he said the only thing that burns in hell is the part of you that won't let go of life. Your memories, your attachments, they burn them all away. But they're not punishing you. He said they're freeing your soul. So the way he sees it, if you're frightened of dying and you're holding on, you'll see devils tearing your life away. But if you've made your peace then the devils are really angels freeing you from the earth. It's just a matter of how you look at it. That's all. Beautiful. And obviously, I know, oh, yes, this is a, I know, this is, yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I'm a big fan of that movie. There's a small part of me that's like, hey, Jacob, Jacob, there's a reference. Um, <laughs> but I also think, like, you, you could definitely, like, I mean, honestly, even when they revealed the pilot dead, that was one of the sequences that broke the tension in, a, in one of those weird, I forgot what scene you were talking about earlier where they did this. Oh, when um, Jack's looking in the fuselage and Boone comes yeah. up with the pen? Yeah. Yeah. Similarly, um, and maybe you felt this way too, but I, 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 yeah, this is one of those things where I thought this lingered. And it's weird because Kate finds the pilot wings on the ground, which, you know, if we're going with the Jacob's ladder analogy, then it's like, oh, they're wings. They're, he's he's sort <laughs> off. But all these people are frightened, so they see this as a mangled corpse. Um, but anyway, but I like that interpretation a lot. And I think that's, I think having seen Jacob's ladder, I think that's probably, that's probably what I was basing that off of that idea that the smoke monster comes for you when your, your business is finished and the interpretation that they're, they're seeing something terrible, like a smoke monster and somebody else might see something beautiful as we allude to Locke seeing in later episodes, which we don't have to get to right now. No, well, I, and I mean, I, and I know it's like, it's getting ahead of ourselves, but yeah, I feel like maybe even that's the difference with like Mr. Echo and, and Locke and, and, but anyway, the way that scene is shot, it's a little weird where, yeah, Kate finds the, the pilot wings. You can see a body reflection in the puddle. Mm. And I assume at that point, you're probably like, is that Jack? And then, but then Jack appears and I, I wanted to even say the score, it's like, everyone's relieved. You know, Kate smiles. <laughs> Charlie's like, oh, you're alive. And he's like, yeah. Oh, guys, what did that? And then it does a slow pan up. But it like, it's like weird because the tension of like seeing there's a body in, above you guys. And it's like they recognize there's a body, but then Jack's there. And it's like, it's just, it's a weird way to break the tension. Especially because like the shot of the pilot is, it's grisly. Like he is covered in blood. He has been, he has been shredded up. You don't really see, like, gouges or anything, which I assume is how they got away with it on, on like, you know, a primetime television show. But, like, he's just red from, like, head to toe. It's bad. And it's also, like, I think, doesn't Jack, like, doesn't Charlie say, like, what is that? And Jack just comes up and goes, like, oh, it's a pilot. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, this was a living human being a few minutes ago. Glad you guys are, uh, you know, adjusting to this well. Yeah, no, I, I did like, I paused it a little bit on the, the pilot's face. And I was just like, oh, he is, because he's already, I mean, he looks bad when he's alive, mm-hmm. but yeah, looks looks much worse when he's dead. Also, Jack's uh, explanation for how he got away from the monsters, he jumped in some bushes. Are we meant to think this is suspicious? Like, are we, or is this just, again, just like, is this a line I'm not supposed to think about too much? Because I would be like, you you jumped in some bushes? I don't think whatever did that is going to mind just dragging you out of a bush and eviscerating you. Yeah, they, they, it's so funny, like, how much of that feels like a... Uh... Even Charlie, like, and I know that he's high at this point, but like, he, he's like, we, we, it was right behind me. It was there. I was dead. We were dead. But then I was fine. Like, I was like what? <laughs> See, I like that. I liked it because it is the kind of dumb, panicked thing you'd say when your adrenaline is spiked, where like you, you, you're barely even getting like words out. Um, yeah. And especially as you, as you mentioned that he's high. I, um, I used to think he was eating the heroin. Uh, which I have been told by somebody who would know that you can eat heroin. It is a thing you can do. You don't get high as quickly because you have to wait for the heroin to hit your bloodstream. And so the heroin has to be absorbed through your stomach and go through the lining into your bloodstream. But what Charlie's actually doing is he's rubbing the heroin on his gums, uh, which is a, it's a much faster way to, to get high. Um Eating it. So, so yeah. I also imagine that you probably can't show somebody shooting up in a in a TV show, uh, or at least you couldn't back then. I was gonna say. <laughs> but I always thought that that was uh, when I was younger and I didn't know anything about drugs. Um, I always thought that was weird. I was like, well, I guess that's heroin, but I don't think you eat heroin. Also, I don't think it's supposed to look like silly putty. But, <laughs> but yeah. I thought it looked like the like the kinetic sand, which probably wasn't around. In 2004, but I bet it was. The, it was probably in like a sharper image. I remember like walking to a sharper right. image at the at the Spectrum. Man, speaking of the, I, I have like a whole rant ready on the Spectrum when we find out that Locke comes from Tustin. But oh, I forgot uh, about that. I forgot he's a local boy. Yeah, <laughs> the, the not as good. Anyway, um, it's weird no, the things um, that you have like. This is this has nothing to do with the podcast, but like the is a movie called uh, Desert Desert Spring. No, Palm Palm Springs, the time travel one with Andy Samberg, where they he goes to meet J.K. Simmons and they're supposed to be in Irvine, and they're like in a backyard, and you look you watch you as soon as that scene pops up you're like they're not in Irvine. That's uh, this is definitely not Irvine. <laughs> Charlie. Charlie. I miss I miss Charlie. I know that he goes through periods of being really annoying on the show, but he's so much fun in the pilot. He is uh, Hurley is is lovely. He's he's a lot of fun too. But Charlie's the funniest character in the pilot. Yeah, I guess it goes back to a little bit of like even like the um, Boone and Shannon, like the dynamic that they add to like the greater whole. Because mm-hmm. because there was a part of me that's like, why the why is Charlie here? Um, <laughs> and then uh, yeah, like realizing that. If it was just Jack and Kate, like there's no, there's no levity. And I even love how he plays the druggie. Cause even though obviously very stereotypical burnout druggie, I, I even love just, he opens the bathroom and Kate's question is, what were you doing? And he's like, what? <laughs> just, <laughs> like, like a, you are so high that you like, 
every question sounds super like you're paranoid of like i also like he's jack and kate only care about each other on this trip and charlie has to keep reminding him that he's there he's like charlie's fine charlie's fine by the way i remember it's so funny that like the things you remember the things you don't and like the fact that he goes with them to the find the cockpit i was like why the hell would charlie want to go that doesn't make any sense and i was like oh right he's after the drugs right gotta get the drugs that makes sense Uh, which is also just such a great like justification for like diversifying that that track yeah no i and i love his high face i think he does that really well like the you know like just touching things softly or like leaning at the mirror and he's just having a moment (laughs) like he he does that very well very convincing oh yeah this goes back to one of my jack things of like him like wanting privacy or getting away from people when he's just screaming at the top of his lungs, you all, everybody. He's like, we got to keep moving. <laughs> I remember, I don't know if it was from a, an episode commentary or if it was a behind the scenes thing where they, they hadn't come up with the song. They hadn't actually written the song. So they basically just like gave him lyrics. And so he's just, he's just winging it for whatever it sounds like. I do like, I actually really like the way that scene plays out where like, he doesn't go out of his way to tell people who he is, but like once Kate recognizes him, he's really like he's really flattered, and he's just sort of like he's like, oh, but you, you do know who I am. He's like, I'll come to you, and then Jack could not give less of a shit. Doesn't even know who Drive Shaft is. Doesn't even. She's Kate's just like, oh yeah, you don't you don't you don't Drive Shaft. He's like, no, I don't, I don't. We're doing something else now. This is not. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Charlie. No respect. <laughs> The the scene where they get the the walkie-talkie working and they hear Rousseau's message and Shannon's translation, great ending to an episode. Like it's genuinely creepy. Saeed like doing the calculation for how long it's been running. Shannon like you know sobbing and trying to you know translate the message. That was great. That was so yeah. It was it was good. It was it was really like I was like oh yeah this is why this is why I like this show like. And then Charlie just given that that iconic line at the end, guys, where are we? Yeah, and just how even just that shot, like it's spinning around the different characters. You've got Saeed also saying like the battery's going to run out, or no, I think even Boone is then saying like the battery's going to die, or Kate says it, and then like and then Sawyer's like she doesn't even speak French. <laughs> She's saying she needs help or not. <laughs> You're right, Sawyer was fun. It was, uh, it was just so chaotic. Uh, yeah, I absolutely love it. And again, like, it's interesting, too, because I, I didn't start writing this down, but I, it was actually at that last line, since it ends on a question, where I was like, how many, how many unanswered questions do they propose in this episode? Because I also feel like they, they answered a ton of, like, hey, why hasn't there been a plane? Oh, we're off course. Yeah. And like, did they, oh, what, where did these handcuffs come from? Oh, okay, was arrested. Like, they, I felt like they actually answered. I can't think of any, like, other than obviously there's a giant creature out there. Uh, and where are you? But I don't feel like there was, like, too many, you know, it's more like I want to know more about these characters. It, it, I didn't feel like there was anything of, like, I guess maybe that's it, is that the supernatural elements are very subdued. Yes, uh, I, I agree. I think that they they leave us with a lot of cliffhangers but they also do you know answer some some really important questions right off the bat and i i like that i think that the the show at this stage it's tight it's a tight pilot you know it gives you everything you need to know 
and then leaves you wanting to know like a lot more. The momentum hasn't taken over the show yet. I think it does get to a place, call it maybe the end of third season, where <laughs> the show has started to, its reach has is, exceeds its grasp. Uh, but it's good. It's really good. It is really good. I think it's the second part of the pilot for me that really drew me in more. Because as much as I love all the stuff with Jack in the beginning, I think seeing these characters interact and, you know, come into conflict and discover the mysteries together because their reactions to them are so good. Like how freaked out they all get by the polar bear, by the fact that not just that there is a a, a bear, but that it's a polar bear and it should not be there and how upset they all are. It's like this doesn't. This doesn't coincide with anything that we know. It's not supposed to be here in the jungle. Why is this happening? What's this message? Why has this message been going for 16 years and five months or whatever? We are in a bad place and we don't know what's happening. This being an ensemble show is really to its strength. And it's there are so many characters and they're all so different. And uh, yeah, I think this is a good show. I'd, I'd, I'd tune in. I'd tune in for the next yeah. episode. That might even be a good spot to just end on. But <laughs> I have one observation. This is a question that I'm not sure ever gets answered. Jin, is he trying to check with other survivors if the food that he caught is poisonous? <laughs> so I can see where you're coming from with that because he spends – the whole first half of the pilot being like, you know, don't come near us. Don't stay away from us. We don't have anything to do with you. And then it doesn't make any sense that he would make food to serve to the rest of the group. It's weird. It's, it feels like maybe we're missing something that like he decided, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to serve food to people. I think it's meant to be a, you know, an, an altruistic thing. I think he's supposed to be, you know, trying to give people food and, and help them. I don't think he would give like a food he thought was poison to a, a pregnant woman. Well, uh, that's my but... question is I, cause yeah, he says the whole, like, we need to stay together. We need to, we'll just, you know, take care of our own. And yeah, you know, like he hits son's hand when she's like trying to, tell, I just, but I was also like, yeah, but he wouldn't feed poison to him of all the people. Like I may, I make sense. Go to Hurley first, but like, it, yeah, and he also he he ranges them and like he gives like individual bowls and stuff. So yeah, I think he's it's he's he's meant to be a nice gesture. I don't know I don't know it's yeah it doesn't make sense that he would be so antagonistic and then and then be so nice. But but yeah, I think it's supposed to be that. I think he's trying to make inroads like we're gonna be here for a while. We might as well you know be good to these people so like maybe they can help us out. Okay. I really liked okay. Jin, uh, uh, or I'm sorry, Sun, uh, unbuttoning the button as soon as he gets up to leave. Like that, that, that glowering look she gives him as he gets up, just like I'm gonna unbutton this motherfucker. Well, that was my other like one other like observation was like even though like the Kate in the beach is kind of gratuitous, I was oh, also a little bit yes, like, I wrote that down. That shot totally unnecessary. Made me feel really uncomfortable. Like it was just she's just standing there. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't care for that. Yeah. Well, that's, but like at the same time, like I see how, like, I appreciate that you could make the argument that the plot significance is you have son who, you know, she sees like, oh, that's a life of freedom or whatever. Um, I think you, I but, think you are, you are, you're absolutely right. Thematically, I see where they're coming from, 
but I think realistically they wanted that shot to put in the trailer. I'm I am yeah. I would put money on the fact that that shot of Kate is in the trailer for like when people were like the new show from ABC Lost and it's like there's like all this action, the plane exploding for no reason. I don't think we talked about that. Like when the wing falls, like what exploded? Like I know the turbine explodes, but then like other things. Anyway, it's like Jack running away. It's be like, guys, where are we? And then like cut between all that stuff, just a shot of like Kate in her underwear and bra, just like turning to look at something. Like I can see it. I can totally see it. And I think that that's, yeah, that's what that is. Yeah. Yeah, You know what it is? Uh, I don't think you ever watched uh, Star Trek uh, Enterprise, but there is a scene in the pilot where the 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 Vulcan lady and another guy have been on like an alien planet and they need to and they need to test themselves or like decontaminate themselves or something. So they literally get into this like steam room, basically stripped down to their underwear and and just rub like gel on each other. It's a scene that there's no other scene like that anywhere else in the other four seasons of the show. It is very clearly just sort of like, this is a pilot of a new Star Trek episode, and it's sexy Star Trek. You snatch your granddad, Star Trek. The ladies get naked in this one. This reminds me, um, speaking of Star Trek, I do remember the preview for Star Trek Into Darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's just a, uh, I don't know who, I don't even know who the actress is, but I do recall that there's just a screenshot of yep. her, basically nude and um then seeing the movie on a plane and it's there for like half a frame yeah and it's like what what was the what was the point of that you see this on pretty much i think almost like any pilot from this time well from from a lot of time periods but like especially like a lot of hbo shows like there's always at least one usually more just gratuitous sex scene or nude scene like in the pilot and then the rest of the show is like huh that's funny Based on the pilot, I was under the impression there'd be a lot more sex in this show. I have been, you know, I have been misled. I have been uh, watching and enjoying Bridgerton, and uh, it was super funny because season one uh, very much got the reputation of softcore porn. It kind of is. Um, season two, none of it. Just costume porn. Uh, yeah, basically. Um, <laughs> And they, they, they nixed mutton chops. That's the other thing that they did. But like, um, they're like, yeah, you know what? We did a season of that. No more, no more mutton chops. Um, but, um, <laughs> but no, I, I did think it was so fascinating. Cause I'm like, oh man, you guys kind of like, you, you pulled him in with the softcore porn. And now, and now you can just tell a, a captivating story. Not that the porn isn't, you know, good to the story of Bridgerton. I'm off track. <laughs> um, but, uh, anyway, that was, that was, that was my last, my last thing on, uh, on a pilot. Um, Yeah. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, actually, I do have one one other thing that just, yeah. I think is funny, which is just the um, stray observation. Oceanic Airlines logo is such a 2004 logo. 